It's been a minute, but I promise this is going to be worth the wait. I just did my first interview. My first podcast interview is coming up. This is episode 12. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tim Adkins Does Digital Podcast. My name is Tim Adkins, and just like I mentioned just a minute ago, uh, I just did my first podcast interview. I'm really excited. Uh, My interview this week is with Dustin Mankin. Uh, Dustin is the brains and the talent behind Excite Video Magazine, which is a YouTube and digital channel based out of Japan that focuses on Japanese car culture and life in Japan. Now, in this episode, we talk about how he got his start, what it took to move from central Appalachia to a place half a world away, and he even changed my mind a little bit on the value of disappearing digital content. So let's get right to it. Here's the interview with Dustin Mankin of Excite Video Magazine. All right, everybody. I am really, really excited about this one. This is the the very first interview that I have done on the Tim Atkins Does Digital podcast. And I could think of no better person to really uh, do this for my first interview than somebody that I'm really excited about and uh, somebody that really takes their passion for uh, what they're doing has really developed a um, you know, a niche audience and, and, and developed something that they're passionate about and really uh, gone through a lot of um, just really went the extra mile in the passion thing. Uh, without further ado, going to uh, introduce to you Dustin Mankin. Dustin Mankin is the, uh, the CEO, I guess, the uh, creator of Excite Video Magazine. Uh, now, this whole thing, this whole interview, like I said, first time, uh, this might be messy, but, you know, I went to school with Dustin and, you know, we went to, well, I, I won't say the the campus, but uh, this might be messy should probably have been on both of our diplomas. <laughs> this probably should have been like the, like the slogan, you know, of our, of our university. I think you may agree. I don't know. Think so? Oh, I tell you what, I got some slogans for that place, but I don't think we can. I don't think we can uh, put that on on the podcast. I bet you do, but you know what? It's a family show, and we even discussed that before the interview. We said, "Okay, uh, let's let's try to keep it clean a little bit." So I'm going to try uh, my best. <laughs> and and of course, you know, I'm going to start out with you know throwing him, throwing him a softball and saying, "See if you can go through this without like." coming up with some creative slogans <laughs> anyway okay so um dustin mankin is like i said the creator at excite video magazine if you are not a gearhead and even if you are if you are you definitely have to check out this this uh this channel but if you're not check it out anyway because i'm not either but man this stuff this stuff is is and you know what the kids say it's like fire you know it really is it's really cool um i am constantly like i said well you know i'm going to check out what dustin's doing uh and i'll check out a, a video and then three hours later i'm still watching dustin's videos and like i said i'm not even a gearhead but the the videos are so awesome so um i'm going to shut up and and uh let him talk about first off uh, what is Excite Video Magazine, Dustin? What is it all about? Um, and, and what got you involved to begin with in in launching the channel? All right, Excite Video Magazine is, it's kind of my YouTube channel, but I'm on other social platforms as well. But it's mm-hmm. all about Japanese car culture, drift culture. And uh, to me, like a problem with a lot of people that say they're in the Japanese culture is, Uh, not Japanese culture, but Japanese car culture is 
they don't get everything quite right. Like, you know, like all their images of Japanese car culture either comes from magazines or other media outlets where hyping up the culture is the key to get people paying attention. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you have stuff like wild, uh, sorry, in Japanese, it's called wild speed, but fast and furious Tokyo drift. It, right. it was a great movie. It's actually one of my favorite movies in the whole series, but it's so misleading to what Japanese car culture and what Japanese culture really is. So hmm. how so what, what's, I was just kind of interested in what's misleading about it, in your opinion. You know, like, and a lot of it comes from, like, living in Japan, but just the way the characters act and the way that, you know, some of the stuff goes down, like, especially the thing where there's a point when they're racing on the highway and Han says, if you go over 180 kilometers per hour, they don't chase you because you can't. Hmm. That, that, (laughs) that... I don't even think that was true when that movie was made because I'll tell you one thing. They have speed <laughs> cameras all over the place here. Uh-huh. And the speed cameras, it takes a picture of your car. It takes a picture of your face. Like, I mean, it's it's got a, a, a wide lens and a telephoto lens, and it tries to get your face and the car, and then there's no way you can deny it, right? Oh, uh, yeah, that's my car, but I wasn't dr- – oh, really? Does your wife have a red beard? Oh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Sorry, you got me. Okay. (laughs) Does your wife have a red beard? (laughs) But but all the cars, all the police cars, all the police bikes, everything, uh, they all have cameras. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the the technology, even in the United States, the technology makes it almost impossible to to get away with speeding whenever you're busted with however they're going to do it. So, you know, little inaccuracies like that. Since I live in Japan, the license plates on the backs, they had Japanese license plates. But if you look at like the blue RX-8 in that movie, it has a green license plate with white numbers. That's really big. That's for dump trucks and uh, really? <laughs> trucks. So uh, they have some cars with the yellow plates that are made for small cars. And in America, they would uh-huh. be small cars, but they don't meet the criteria to be a Japanese small car uh, with the government and stuff. So uh, probably nitpicky. But <laughs> a little bit, but you know, but it goes into a lot of you know attention to detail, and you know, are you driving a plot or are you actually being authentic? And mm-hmm. I think uh, what you bring to the table when you're talking about Japanese drift culture is, you know, there's a lot of you know people who want to get are attracted to it because of you know these movies and because of Gran Turismo, which is something that I love to play. Oh, uh, Gran Turismo was a big one for me. <laughs> The minute I get it, I'm like, that's one of the first games I always get. It's like, I've got to have the Gran Turismo. I suck at it. I'm horrible, horrible <laughs> at the game. But but I love it because the cars are really nice. And what's really cool from me being like a, a video gamer is like seeing the cars that I see on the video games and you're presenting them in real life. And having that uh, that background, you know, is kind of cool because... Like I said, you bring the authenticity to it. So, um, and that's what I like about your channel is, is just being authentic. You know, you're not trying to be somebody else that I think that the unique perspective that you bring is that you're an American 
who is actually living in Japan and actually into the culture. How did you first get started with Japanese drift culture in the first place? Because you guys don't know, but uh, Dustin and I are both from Appalachia. Okay. Like the dead center of Appalachia. You can't tell from either of our accents and don't try to say that you can, cause you can't. <laughs> you can't. We both were trained. You we were trained by golly. <laughs> <laughs> so, but in any case, so how does somebody go from our part of Appalachia, half a world away to Japan to cover Japanese drift culture? How do you get started with that? And what was it about your passion that actually made you take that jump? Because a lot of people in our area, they don't really even go, you know, I mean, Canova is like, you know, big for them. <laughs> so uh, what made you do that? I mean, God, it must have like taken huge guts to to actually go through with it. Okay, so I have to preface this by going way back and saying when I was growing up, my grandfather, he used to be a mechanic and uh, he was a welder by trade. But, you know, hands-on guy, uh, blue collar, working class. Uh, when stuff broke, we fixed it at the house. So I, I did grow up around fixing cars my entire life. I wasn't necessarily like a car guy, but I loved to be in the garage with my grandpa. Then when I became closer to driving age, uh, I did get my first car, which was a classic that we bought and we restored together. So for one year before I got my license, I spent every day after school either shooting guns with my grandfather or rebuilding this car. But, you know, that did keep me into cars and... I noticed when I was in high school, because a lot of my friends had mini trucks and they would get all of the car audio magazines. Mm -hmm. And I started to see like Honda Civics and, you know, Honda Accords and stuff like that. And they had these really cool body kits and a lot of graphics. They were very uh, visually, they were very loud. Uh, anybody that knows anything about car culture, like the late 90s, early 2000s, those were like the loudest cars compared to like probably since like the old lowrider scene. Mm hmm. You know, I had a I had a classic car, and, and we pretty much did all the building to it. And I, I couldn't really do anything else to it at that time, you know. So I really got excited about these, and that's what kind of led me into Japanese cars. And probably around two, 2001, I think, the first Fast and Furious came out. And that kind of kicked off the whole street racer culture. Mm -hmm. And then that was like a, a progression towards me having Japanese cars and wanting to see more uh, Japanese uh, tuning styles. Like this was before the internet guys. Like, I mean this, I mean the internet was here, but like, it was like, ask Jeeves. We are old people. You we had, are old people. You right? had to put stuff ask in quotes Jeeves. if you wanted to keep that search together. If you didn't <laughs> you put it in quotes. using the kids, Dustin. <laughs> ask Jeeves. Um, what? Yahoo. Uh, Yahoo. Yahoo is still prevalent in Japan, by the way. Um, What's that? They don't use Google in Japan so much. Uh, it's no still mainly Yahoo. Yeah, I mean Google is starting to make uh, it's starting to make entry into the market probably you know within the last five years. But most Japanese people, when I notice them doing a search, it's Yahoo, and uh, they don't have. I don't think they have eBay here. I've never used eBay in Japan. We use Yahoo auctions. So right. Okay. So yeah. Um, just that's a sidebar, but. <laughs> Well, that is interesting, though. That really is. Uh, you just you threw me with the Ask Jeeves thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm old. I remember stealing, not stealing, but I remember taking the AOL uh, free internet disks and formatting them so I could get free, store, 
<laughs> oh <laughs> my god, yes, you and I, I understand that. Old tech heads. I mean, hey, you know, stuff, grab five of them and put them in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, every week I was getting like a you know net zero. It's like you know, come <laughs> get up and you know put this disc in. You know, I mean, Kmart was like, hey, we have a blue light special uh, <laughs> internet. You know, and I, I wore that out. I think most of mine came from Kmart too. So. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, okay, get off the lawn. Turn into Tim Atkins' archaeology. Um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where were we? <laughs> uh, cars, cars. Like I, I was into right. Japanese tuning styles. And, and like I said, this was before the internet. So we would mm-hmm. only get like some magazines. And maybe every three or four months, there would be like two pages with some with some cars. And I was just like, I just became obsessed with finding out how these people were tuning their cars because it was completely different from the American style. The American style was still very loud, very splashy, Mm -hmm. uh, more, I don't, I don't know. There was like function guys, but there was a lot of form and the, the Japanese style at that time just seemed much more form. Like if it works for racing, everything was for the purpose of going faster. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, at least in the magazines that we were being shown, they, they do have a styling culture too, but at the time it was all about highway racing and stuff. So, uh, that got me really, really interested and I just became obsessed. There was an anime called initial D and this was before streaming illegal anime and stuff. So you would have to download them on, uh, Napster or LimeWire. So, uh, you would actually have to give your computer aids just to watch a couple episodes of anime. <laughs> exactly. But so, so this got me to like, I, I have to go, I have to go, I have to go, I have to go. And me and a buddy, we were going to go in January to go to the big, uh, it's called Tokyo Auto Salon. It's like the SEMA of Japan, which is where all the aftermarket companies and they take all their aftermarket products and everything and show off their, their builds and, and everything. It's, it's the biggest event for aftermarket car show stuff in Japan. Mm-hmm. And, and we missed the mark. We were like, and you know, in December, like it's in January, let's save the money and go. And then we were like, you know what? That's not going to happen. Uh, let's go to March. So in March of 2007, I went to Japan for a month and that was really cool. And I only had a two-year degree at the time. And I, when I left, I was like, I need a four-year degree to get a work visa here. And that's really the whole reason I went back to school to finish my four-year was just to get the work visa. So in, in all this time, like being interested in cars and you just keep seeing more and more cars. And then drifting was huge in Japan at the time. And it was just coming over to America probably around 2000 to 2003 or four was really the, the early years in America. And, you know, I just fell in love with it. And I never really shook wanting to go. But I am just so slow. I'm a procrastinator. And I was like, I don't really want to go to school, you know. So I go to school for a quarter then I'll stop for a quarter <laughs> then I'll go for a quarter. And, you know, eventually, eventually I did get my degree and I met my, uh, what would become my wife online. You know, I'd already decided I wanted to go. I had, I had a bad relationship and, you know, I, I almost, I almost sealed the deal with that one. And after that was over, I was like, wow, man, I was like, you haven't even began to live your dreams yet. And you were ready to just settle for the mon- mundane life, you know? I was in debt, guys. So, like, look, if you're in debt, just you can still do 
you you got to think about it, but you you can still do it. I was in debt. I, I think I owed like twenty one thousand dollars on my credit card. Uh, lucky for me, my family is a nostalgic family, and they kept all of my GI Joes, my Ninja Turtles, and uh, stuff like that in the attic. And uh, I was also a huge retro gamer, so I literally had everything from the Commodore sixty four up until like the three sixty. You are speaking my language. Like the more you talk <laughs> about this stuff, it, you know, I just like, I, and you know, it was one of those things where friends would be like, Hey, I got this old game system and I know you're a retro gamer. And, uh, you know, if you give me 20 bucks for it, I think it's got like 10 games with it. And, you know, I would just acquire systems like that and I would buy bulk on eBay because sometimes you can find that rare, that rare game inside that thing. And, you know, either people gloss over it or people aren't searching for it because it's mixed into a lot. And that's how I got a lot of stuff cheap, but I, I had a huge collection and uh, I'm a car guy. So obviously I had a ton of Hot Wheels. I, I think I probably had like six or 700 Hot Wheels still in the box. Wow. I literally, for the last year, I decided I'm going to Japan and, you know, retro toys were hot. They still are hot. And I just thought, you know what? I think I'm going to sell my childhood. Wow. That must've been tough though attempt to live my future you know it kind of is and there's still some stuff like probably if i come back to america i'll be on on ebay overpaying for some of those things you know i i I didn't have my name written on anything in sharpie and uh actually i was uh i was an accessory nazi like i would do inventory after every play session so i i really think out of my 50 gi joe characters and you know the the three and three quarter inch gi joe figures they all came with like 10 accessories and yeah. I, I think I, there was I mean, only not, no. I was just I I just don't know too much about GI Joe, so I'm mm-hmm. going to take your word on that. I mean, I had one, but I don't know. I think I I, I kind of dismembered it or something. <laughs> the rubber band me. broke in the way. <laughs> yeah. um, but but I think there was only like three characters incomplete. You know, so like everything I had when I bought games, I don't buy games with names on them. You know, so everything I had was actually something that a collector would probably want. I sold all of it. I sold all of it, and incidentally, I made right around like total like nineteen thousand dollars on eBay. Wow! And uh, that was yeah, that was selling like all kinds of stuff, man. But you know, the Hot Wheels were a dollar a piece, but they were stuff that I bought like twelve years ago. Right. So in the box, you know, like a normal car, those Hot Wheels really were like on average like a seven or eight time return on investment, you know, cause they were, they were selling for at least like eight bucks. And, you know, sometimes the ones that wouldn't sell, I'd put them in a lot with one good car and just try to get rid of them. But, um, anyways, this, this isn't the eBay channel. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I did, I did sell everything. And that was the point where I was like, you know what? I've got enough money to pay off my credit card and be like zero debt, but this is my Japan money. So it's like, do I do the adult thing and go debt free but live in a place that's actually making me really depressed or do I go for it? And I am an impulsive person because my ADHD <laughs> and I thought, man, you <laughs> sold this stuff to go for it. Screw the debt. You can pay it down later. Go for it. And I went for it and I did, I did pay down my debt. I'm debt free in America. Good, good. I'm debt because free. you know, we're not, we're not get, dealing out financial advice here, kids. No, yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I just go do what you want. Move to Japan. <laughs> it, it, it took me five years of mailing money back home, but I, I, I did it. And and that put me in Japan, where I've always wanted to be. And, and I wanted to come here because of cars. I'm, I'm not – like I did watch car-related anime, 
mm-hmm. but that's it. Like if it wasn't car related, I didn't watch it. I'm a car guy. Right. I'm, I'm a car guy. And now that I'm here, I started going to some shows here and there, but I really always wanted to film drifting, but my Japanese language skills were crap. And did you know any Japanese before you went? Nah. <laughs> Not at all? No, I knew like maybe like 10 words and half of them were probably cuss words. Uh, <laughs> you know, something you can't really say to somebody. <laughs> so, <laughs> we all do that, right? You know, yeah, I don't know. I don't need to know how to count to 10. Just tell me, you know, how to, well, you know. Hey, a, a great way to learn counting when you're in Japan is when you're at the convenience store because the money is, is done, like, they, they count it pretty much on the one cent scale. Oh, really? So instead of saying like $1, so let's let's say for for easy comparison purposes, uh, 100 yen is equal to a dollar. And I think right now it's 111 yen or something. So they'll tell you your price and you'll see the number. So if you buy something that's like 10 or $15, it comes up like 1,500 something yen. Great, great way to watch the screen while they say it. And you can learn numbers pretty easy that way. Oh, that, that makes sense. Ah. If they cuss at you, then you can also learn those things too. You know what? I have learned those things over the years. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> and uh, they, they don't always, they're not usually cussing, but they don't always say nice things, but they think you can't hear it. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, but you can. So, so, you, so you kind of immersed yourself in the culture. You learned, yeah. you learned the language and, and you started attending the shows. Uh, tell me how you got involved with actually taping them and then actually uh, putting them on YouTube and making a channel out of that. Okay. So, uh, you know, I, I went to a certain university for uh, <laughs> digital media and, uh, and broadcast journalism. Yeah, electronic, electronic media. Sorry. Uh, that's so long ago I forgot what I actually have a degree in. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I – I just took my camera because I'd already been filming like car shows and stuff. And I just thought, you know what? I looked up in one of the drift magazines where the event was and I went and I just started filming and I didn't know anybody. And, and I just started filming it. And randomly one of the guys came up to me and, and asked me like, you know, are you, are you a YouTuber? <laughs> Cause YouTubers are popular over here in Japan too. And oh, okay. I said, yeah. And uh, that very day I got some of my stickers on their car. So you said, yeah, uh, even though you weren't really a YouTuber at that point? No, I, I was a YouTuber. I, I've, I've actually I've actually had this YouTube channel, let's see, so seven years and then probably, I've probably had this YouTube channel over 10 years, but, you know, just living, wow, okay. living in Kentucky, like everything's so far away. I mean, you, you might be posting a video once every three months, once every six months, because I was doing stuff for my builds and stuff, but also, you know, most of the... Most of the jobs in our area are not extremely well-paying, so right. uh, we don't have the money to buy enough parts, you know, for me to do like a, a continuous weekly build series or something. I mean, I, I wanted to do that, but that wasn't a financially viable option. Right. Um, wow. I didn't know you had been around that long. See, I was under the impression that you started the channel after you got to Japan. Mm. So you still have early footage from when you were back here. I have another channel that was listed as Love Tap Racing Team. Hmm. And that has some like 2003 stuff on it. Wow. Like some of the very first videos I ever did. and That's ancient history, kids. Yeah. <laughs> and, and some of those videos were labeled Love Tap Racing Team. 
<laughs> what is it? I'm sorry. No, I was just saying ask Jeeves. He'll tell you all about that. Uh, Jeeves, that Jeeves knows. Uh, yeah, Jeeves knows. <laughs> and he'll bring you a cigar too. Um, <laughs> in a stylish tuxedo. Very stylish. But yeah, some of those videos on the old channel were still labeled as Excite Video Magazine. I, I've had this name and this idea since 2007. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, I mean, if I, if I had to be really honest with you, like, and you'll probably have to cut this and, and put it in order because my ADHD causes me to, to run off in various places. And I'm sorry, but <laughs> oh, no, I do that all the time too. And, and believe me, we're, we're doing good so far. I may not cut anything out. But, <laughs> <laughs> so far. I feel like I should, I feel like I should cuss right now just so you have to cut something <laughs> out. Dang, gone. And now I'm going to have to go just an audition and start slicing things. Thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um no like even the name excite and it's misspelled it's just e-x-i-t-e mm-hmm. and excite was another search engine kids oh yeah that's true it was wasn't it, it wasn't misspelled it was with the c and the, the x was like a little guy with his arms in the air wasn't yes it was i just I remember yeah thanks for reminding me i didn't know mm-hmm. that i just internet archaeology yeah there you go but uh no, like even the name, like there's a, a cartooning magazine over here called Option. And like Option is like, what? That's just such a weird name, which when you when you know Japan now, I think the name be- came because like the factory dealer accessories are called Option Parts in Japan. And I, I don't know if that, I don't know if that ties into the name, but like Option is just such a weird name for a car magazine. It is, isn't it? You know, it's, it's like, would you just go out and name like a motorcycle magazine choice? You know, like just, you know, just so, so random. So one of the Japanese words that they use a lot was exciting. Okay. You know, exciting car battle, exciting meeting, to, you know, stuff like that. And I was just like, dude, excite. But then, you know, I know like there's a lot of English that's misspelled, right? Like always, like I notice it over here. There's a lot of English misspelled. And it's not their fault. It's just not their normal language. So it's just like the idiots that have water tattooed on their arm. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) But um, so I misspelled it. E-X-I-T-E. And, you know, eventually it got the new logo. It's not. But in most of the old logos, my X was stylized. Yeah. Okay. You know, so that was kind kind of the point. So even the name, you know, comes from old Japanese magazine. It's a spoof off of old Japanese magazines. So uh, I really, really, really have always loved Japanese car media culture. And uh, it, it had a big influence on me. Yeah. So you started doing the the YouTube videos. And uh, of course, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on on our alma mater. I mean, we did learn quite a bit of, of things there. And, oh, there you know, were some great teachers there. Sort of great professors there, too. Yeah, the professors were very good. Um, some bull crap. Some, yeah, a little bit, uh, but you know, yeah, I mean, we did learn some things. We met some great people, some great peers. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. We we really did. We had some uh, our classmates. I mean, were just incredible. They were really good, and you know, even after I went to grad school and you know did some grad school stuff, you know, a lot of the people that I was involved with in grad school is like, you know, where did you get your training for your undergrad? Because you know a little bit about this stuff. And so, yeah, you know, this is where I went and these are the teachers that I had. I said, well, you know, they were pretty impressed. Um, but getting back to my point, though, uh, so you have the training, you have the equipment, 
and you're doing the YouTube thing, when do you finally start seeing that, hey, this is something that I think I'm going to be able to do that's, that I'm going to get a whole lot of enjoyment out of? When did that start? I've always liked making videos, right? Like, and, um, you know, originally I was planning to make DVDs. My dream at the time was to travel to different shows all around the country. And that's why it was video magazine, because I was wanting to release a DVD like every three months. Now, kids, DVDs are these little discs. <laughs> with like Depending on who on you ask, it stands for digital video disc or digital uh, versatile disc, <laughs> depending on, on the source. <laughs> God, we're old, right? <laughs> <laughs> I did want to deliver. Like, that's how long ago this was. Like, yeah. Like, I was wanting to deliver on physical media. You know, well, you know, Netflix was like Netflix, but you still had the physical media. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Netflix started out doing that, you know, just giving, you know, you mail, mail discs back and forth, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and while we're on this old school stuff, like originally, like back when YouTube was mainly cat videos and kids doing backflips off of trampolines and landing on the ground uh, type of stuff, you know, and it was, just a, you know, YouTube was a really weird place. It was like the budget e-bombs world. I, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if instead of doing a DVD, you could do like a, a TV series and I would just do my DVDs on YouTube. And, you know, I wanted to do like a, a build series and you would cover some products and stuff, just like in the magazine, but as a video format. And, you know, I just didn't have the money to make it happen, but that was back in like 2009. I thought about that. Uh huh. So, I mean, if, if I would have done that and had like a regular show in 2009, I, I probably would be like a 4 million, 5 million subscriber channel. Could be. Yeah, because, because because nobody was doing serial content at the time. I, I just I just didn't have the means. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not bitter about it. It is what it is. Well, you know, you make do with what you have. I mean, and believe me, I, I'm doing that now. So <laughs> I, I'm completely happy. Like, would I like to be doing full time YouTube and actually making money from doing what I love? Yeah, I think everybody wants to do what they enjoy doing. But I, I just enjoy doing it. And I've always enjoyed showing people my videos when I edit them. Uh, you know, back in the day, it would just be the the friends and people in the car community, and we'd all come to the house and watch them. So I've always loved showing off the finished work. I'm glad you mentioned that because I I think that kind of goes to my other point, which is what we were kind of talking about before we started with the recording, is that what impresses me about your channel and about your approach is that you're not trying to stress out so much over numbers as much as you are about having a really dedicated niche audience who is a, as passionate as as you are about the subject matter and you know it's kind of having that um you know i am a i i really do appreciate and see that you respond to just about everybody you know whenever I, you can I, I try to and and like i think we talked about before there was a glitch and i wasn't getting my notifications that people were commenting right yeah i remember that I went like three months thinking people just stopped caring about commenting and, and it kind of depressed me, but I was going to push on anyway. And then I went back and I noticed that there was comments from like two months ago, three months. And I'm like, what the heck is this? You know, like, so I, I sent a strongly worded letter to YouTube being like, guys, I'm not making any money. I literally am embracing your mission statement. I, I just enjoy the community. And you are not monetized right now, am I right? I'm not monetized. I, I just hit a thousand. I don't know, like a couple of weeks ago, I'm up to like a thousand twenty-four, and and I could, 
I'm I'm pretty sure my minutes are probably okay. My view time is probably okay. Um, I could probably monetize if I wanted to, mm-hmm. but I, I average about 150, 250 views per video. Right. And it's just not worth hassling my viewers to, to collect $12 a month or something, you know, in, in AdSense revenue. That really makes sense. I, I, I do want to monetize at some point. Like, you know, if, if I hit, I keep telling myself if I hit like 2,000 or 3,000 and I can get my average views up to like 1,000 per video. Mm-hmm. I would probably monetize at that point because if I could make two or three hundred dollars a year, that would cover my traveling costs. That's true. Yeah. So, so I mean, you know, I'm, I'm at a loss. I'm actually operating at a loss. I, I just love doing it. Yeah, it's it's a passion thing, of course. YouTube has to be like if you're in YouTube for the money, and I know Roberto Blake has talked about it. Uh, I've never heard Gary V hit on it, but you know, Roberto stresses it nonstop. If you don't have a passion for YouTube, you're going to fail. And he's not lying. That's true. Yeah. So, um, you know, I just love doing it. I, I've actually made a lot of friends through it. And people that, you know, I still call my friends. Yes. That kind of tell, gets me right to my next point, which is, you know, tell me a little bit about your audience. Because your audience, you know, you don't have a huge audience, but the audience that you do have, man, they comment all the time. And, they, and they're, you know, they seem like they're very supportive. Tell me a little bit about your audience and about uh, the person that would be attracted to your channel. Okay. So first off, I just want to say that I have the best audience. Uh, <laughs> my, my people that watch my videos are very dedicated. Even the ones that call you the mumbling lumberjack, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? If if you if you if you're attracting haters, you're moving in the right direction. And I have I have I have one hater. I have one hater. I have one hater. So I must be a little bit off a little bit off the path. Still, I gotta I gotta readjust to get more haters. Hater who thinks you chop down trees and so yeah, like and I'm like I don't know why he's calling me a mumbling lumberjack like. <laughs> okay, look. <laughs> but I love how you embraced it, though, because if you see some of Dustin's videos, like later on, I mean, it's right there on the screen. You know, he'll like ding, mumbling lumberjack with an arrow. You know, <laughs> I, I, I love I, the I, way that you embrace that. I don't want to hate on a particular region of people because I have a lot of friends from that region. Also, like the Pacific Northwest, what? <laughs> A certain place in the southern hemisphere of the world where the toilets flush backwards. I see. Okay. The outbacks come okay. from. Not really because it's Subaru, it's Japanese. But, okay. You're but, talking about the hater. It was from yeah, that area. Yeah. He, uh, as he opposed was, to he was from there, but then I mumble. Right. Like, you know, okay. like, <laughs> <laughs> right, I don't okay. But um, no, I have a great audience and I have people from all over the world. That, that watch my channels. And I, I really try to be real with people. And I think that if you're real with people, then they're going to be real back with you. And I think that that's what builds a serious, strong audience. And I've had some people like, you know, if somebody's like, well, this fact's not right, you're an idiot or something. And I'll be like, you know what? I did more research and it was wrong and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you just got to eat crow. And, you know, sometimes people need to learn how to talk to people. Right. You know, instead of being like, hey, idiot, you're stupid. This is wrong. Kill yourself. How about, hey, man, uh, that's not quite right. You know, (laughs) yeah, YouTube comments, they're they're not known for their civility. But at the same time, you can learn some things, you know, I guess, you know, once you get past the, hey, idiot part. Right. And 
and I, I, I try to not respond angrily because one, I want to keep my community standards. Mm-hmm. And two, uh, I'm a really big proponent of free speech. Yes. So e- even if I don't like how they're wording it, and even though I think that how they word stuff makes them appear uh, as an unintelligent life form. Um, right. You know, I just, they have a right to speak their mind. Mm-hmm. And and free speech also means that uh, I have a responsibility to listen to stuff that I don't want to hear. Wow, that's that's really open minded. Not a whole so, lot of YouTubers do have that approach. <laughs> no, and you know, I I could probably shut some people down. And, and if it got re- if it really got really abusive, I, I probably would actually click the link and make them a blocked user. Sure. And Roberto talks about that a lot too. He says, mm, you know what, yeah. go ahead and block your haters if they're getting on your nerves. Yeah. You know, say you don't say, a, say a couple pieces, make a string of it. It boosts you because mm-hmm. you have more comments on your video. So, I mean, they can, they can say all the negative stuff they want. They're still helping you grow. Exactly. Yes, they are. That's true. It's all, it's all the numbers game. It's all the analytics and the, and all of that. Yeah. I will say that, you know, my wife is in my videos sometimes, like when we do vlogs and, and, and stuff like that. I got to say, I love it when she's in your videos. I really do. <laughs> Everybody's always like, when's Chino coming back? You know, she has such personality and she's just oh, she's so a great person. Key. That's why I married her. Yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> she puts up with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I do have to say that if somebody and they, they never have, nobody ever has. But if anybody ever come on and said something bad about my wife. I would not even respond. I would block them immediately. Right. Yeah. Because I, I don't care what anybody says about me because I got made fun of almost all the way through junior high school. And then I got really tall and people left me alone for some reason. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, mean I, I spent my whole life with bullying and mm-hmm. I could take a punch and I can dish one out. Right. But if, if you make fun of my family, I'll, yeah, I'll block you. you I, I, won't, I won't even entertain it. But I, I have a great audience, so I, I typically don't have to worry about that. And sometimes in the Facebook Messenger, we actually make fun of the haters behind their back. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that's a great uh, way and, to and do that's it. another thing: a, a lot of my best fans on YouTube, a lot of my, my my supporters, they either were already on my Facebook account, my personal Facebook account, and migrated over, or they were on my Facebook and through talking. We've become friends on Facebook. Cool. So uh, really, really drawn to my community. Like that's a key point, guys. Community. Absolutely. It's social media. Be loyal to them and, and they'll be loyal to you. And I think people forget that. You know, it's social media. You're supposed to be social. And sometimes there are rules involved whenever you're, you know, in a social construct. I think sometimes people forget that. It is really all about community. And I'm glad you brought that up too, because we were talking about audience and, and pointing things out and, you know, maybe people who point things out to you, uh, things that you didn't know. And what we talked about, we had a conversation like last week and we talked for like, what, an hour, hour and a half about. Yeah. It was a long conversation. And I was talking about like in, uh, God, I can't remember what podcast episode it was, but I was talking about how I wasn't really a big fan of disappearing content about how mm. I'm just not bought into it. And I don't think it's really worth the, you know, the time or the effort right now to get involved with that. And, you know, mm. maybe somebody could prove me wrong about that, but that's just how I saw it. And then I guess the whole point of you calling me at this point was like, Hey, Tim, by the way, <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it, 
I wanted to interact with you as soon as I heard it. Like I was like, ah, I wish I was a guest on this podcast. Yeah. Just, just for like two minutes, you know, and, just so I could. <laughs> and here we are at 42 minutes and 30 seconds. And now we're going to talk about what you wanted to talk about as a guest on my podcast. Um, but you were talking about disappearing content and the and the worth of it, and and kind of made me think. Tell me about what what you were saying to me about that. Okay, so in in the podcast, you had had kind of talked, uh, for lack of a better word, negatively about disappearing content. And mm-hmm. uh, one one thing that I wanted to stress is, uh, especially within the car community, uh, car parts companies, but this probably extends to uh, other people who sell a physical product. Um, They have asked their, I guess, customers. Uh, These days, customer supporters and fans, are it's kind of blurring. But uh, they will ask the people that use their products and interact with them socially to take a picture of the product. And if they tag that company, then the company will put it on their stories feed. You know, the, the cool thing about that is you're not actually paying a dime as a company. You're actually making money because they bought your part. Mm-hmm. And the only the only difference to that would be like as if you have a sponsorship deal with an influencer. But hopefully that's a, a net positive for you in the long run. Your customer takes a picture of the part and they're excited because they, they want to use your part or your product. And they tag you in it. Then you put it in your story. And that makes them get excited. And that concretes their loyalty to you. Right. Yeah. And then on top of that, they're going to be like, look, 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 such and such turbos used a picture of my turbo install. And then people will be like going to that because they're going to be sharing it like crazy because they want people to know that the company that they bought their parts from likes their picture and their install so much that they shared it to their page, which brings other people in. Yes. And, you know, like social is almost like fishing with a net. Yeah. You just got to cast it. And, you know, a lot of fish will come into the net. Some of them will fall out. Some of them will come into the boat. And then when they come in the boat, some of the fish are worth selling. Some of them are not worth selling. So the more you can call, I think the better. And, and you know, you're, you're the digital, you're the social media strategist. So uh, that might be completely off base, but that's. No, actually, that is right on point. It really is. And I think that even goes, even with stories, I think it is more immediate. And I think that's great. Uh, You've convinced me because I'm thinking, you know, that is absolutely a good point that, you know, it's immediate and it's disappearing. So you've got to catch it right away. And the brand loyalty part of it is if a brand is actually taking their fans content and repurposing it, which is what social media content, uh, Experts will tell people all the time, you know, repurpose user content in order to, you know, help out. But uh, the fact that it's disappearing makes it all more worthwhile because you better catch it now because it's going to be gone in, you know, an hour or what have you. And sometimes I get into that. Like somebody will send me a story and by the time I can respond, it's gone. And then I'm like, crap, what did I miss? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. But you can still see who it was shared from. Mm hmm. Right. So it'll still say like speed hunters and you're like, oh man, I missed something from speed hunters. Yeah. So you make sure that you don't do it the next time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like the social media version of Supreme. Okay. Explain that. And uh, other people, you guys, you know about Supreme. I've seen the logo. I don't know a thing about it. 
<laughs> it's 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 basically they were basically a skate shop in New York. Okay, and this is as far as I know. So guys, if if I'm wrong about it, please don't hate me. I'm kind of old, so I'm not with all the hip stuff. Uh, I'm looking for how to pair Oxfords with Levi dark jeans uh, as my fashion wardrobe <laughs> right now because I'm taking the next step. But Supreme was a New York skate shop, uh-huh. and from what I understand, from what I read about the history, they produced stuff in limited numbers at one time, uh, not out of a purposeful marketing strategy, but it's probably like me. Like when I make a t-shirt, I have enough money to make like 10 t-shirts, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so, so it's, it's rare, but not because I'm like, look, my stuff's rare. If you're cool, you can get it. Like, it's just like, I don't have any more money. Right. <laughs> and then that's kind of where they were. But that scarcity thing literally became their, their brand. Like they have drops, like that's how their store operates. And some of the stuff that they sell, I'm like, really? Like they just put like a red little Supreme logo on something and then they have like 10 of them and people come in and buy them for like, you know, how many ever dollars and then they sell it on eBay, like back to back, like 10, 10 times more than what they pay because it's a, a scarcity culture. Ah, and yes. That's always worked in marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a salesman at the, at the, at the, I was working in the mall at the DVD and CD shop and that was their main tactic. It's like the deal might not be here tomorrow or the DVD or CD might be gone. And by the time we restock it, that deal might be over. So if you're thinking about leaving without it, you might cost yourself. And that scares people. Yeah. So it's kind of like a psychological thing that, it, you know, you could probably do uh, organic reach and organic content through um, user created stuff on Facebook or Twitter, too. But it's really right. not the same effect because it's still going to be there, you know, a week later. And if you Plus scroll down face. long enough, you can still find it. Like when I go through stories, like I, I look for the people that I like are up front, obviously, because I always look at their stories. But I, I like to clear my story cache. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm that guy. So I'll go through and click. And guys, please stop putting 64 stories within a 24-hour period. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so I mean you look at everything even if it's for a fleeting moment. Mm-hmm. So if you realize people look like that. And you're not, you're probably not at the forefront of most people's stories feed. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, like on average, you're probably back there. Think about it. Uh, this just, this just came to me, but maybe take a subliminal approach. What do you mean? Like if you could put your logos up, cause like when I'm, I'm tapping through stories after I get through the 10, 15 people that I actually care about, uh-huh. I'm just trying to clear that cash. So each image is flashing up fast. Right. So you you might want to take a subliminal approach. You know, like it's just going to flash up in their face for a minute. Right. Okay. But but if you can plan a subliminal. (laughs) Yeah. And and I believe subliminals work. I'm one of those people. I know some people don't, but but I think they do. Blipverts. Did you ever watch Max Headroom the the show? And they were talking about and, and talking about like subliminal messaging and things like that. When I was really young, I remember the weird blonde-headed guy with sunglasses whose head floated around the screen, but I really didn't watch it because I was just waiting for He-Man. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. What is this weird dude? Can I get He-Man, please? Um, So, no, I mean, Max a little bit before my time. That's what I think is is definitely – those are things to think about with disappearing social. And, you know, what? I don't have a lot of followers, so I, I might be completely wrong. Yes, but the way that you've built it is really the impressive part, which is what I was going to ask you. You know, like other YouTubers, 
you may give different advice than some other experts when they're talking about growing a YouTube channel. Let's say that there's somebody else out there who wants to grow a YouTube channel, but they would rather do it using your approach, which is do it slowly, develop an audience that is is really um, dedicated to what you're doing. It may not be the largest audience in the world, but it's a very loyal audience. And it's a, an audience that that interacts with one another and interacts with you as well. Um, do you have any tips on on how someone would go about doing that? Yeah, like be authentic. Yeah, like be you. Like, and you know, like that's the worst thing. Worst, sorry, that's the worst thing we were talking about. Uh, not cussing. We'll, we'll go back to not cussing. And yeah. <laughs> you know, I told you I don't I don't cuss too much on my YouTube. And when I do, I usually bleep it out. But sometimes I let some slip through on right. purpose. Like I know no. it's in there, but. Uh, yeah, and believe me, I mean, you you guys who are listening, you didn't hear the conversation we had before, <laughs> like last if, week. If you let an S word or a D word slip every once in a while, you're probably not going to get dinged for community standards. Right. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, if, if you're letting it fly all the time, mm-hmm. and you know what, sometimes when I'm talking and stuff and I'm pausing, I pause for two reasons in my videos. One, it makes it easier for me to cut around. Right. Yeah, I should do that. I live in Japan, so when I teach English, I have to speak slowly. Right. So my speaking has actually naturally progressed to be slower over time. And probably when I live back in America, it will pick back up. But, you know, that's another thing. So I speak slowly, and I, and I don't cuss because that gives me editing options. And the not cussing keeps me in with community guidelines. Right. I, I don't want to get flagged because I'm small anyways. Mm-hmm. So, so I, can't, I can't afford to get flagged. And not be not you know going back to the net. I can't afford to not have the widest net possible. Right. Being cast because cars is a very small niche. Anyway, it's not like games or something like that. Right. So, and even though it's small, they already have their dedicated people. Mm-hmm. Like you know, there's already like million subscriber channels and stuff out there for cars. So you know, when people are like, "Who's your favorite car YouTuber?" I always go through the threads. And I never see my name, but, uh, <laughs> but you will though. I mean, and that's another thing. I mean, you've gotten mentions that you've had over the past few months because, you know, sometimes you tell me that you say, Hey, you know, I've got some mentions here and there. Very exciting. Whenever that happens. And, and when you keep it authentic, comment. yeah. And when you keep it authentic and when you keep it real, you know, I've heard, like you've said, you know, so-and-so has mentioned me or so-and-so commented and, you know, we had this kind of uh, a conversation and I think that's the thing that really kind of excites you. If I'm, I'm hope I'm reading this right is, um, is the interaction. Am I right? No, that's it. Like the interaction is key. And, you know, sometimes like, that's what I was saying just a second ago, uh, when I rudely attempted to cut you off, but, uh, (laughs) you know, sometimes people will be like, "I I have one friend, actually, I have two friends that are kind of bigger YouTubers and one is in Japan with me. And uh, the other one, he's in America and he does like a build series and stuff. And he's like, did you know that this company and this company watches your videos? Wow. And I was just like, what? I was like, I've never seen it. And they're like, no, they don't comment on people's videos. But I know these people because I have a sponsorship through them. No kidding. Yeah. So it's really cool. And it's like I had messaged them before about sending I've been dealing with this company since I lived in America. Like I, they're based in Florida and I only order – 
my car parts from them unless they don't have it. Mm-hmm. And it was so cool that a company that I've been a fan of and that I've supported by being a customer for many years actually watches my videos, even if I don't get to interact with them. And, and I've messaged a couple of people and we've, we've had short messages back and forth, but they're busy. Right. And our time, you know, our time differences don't allow usually long, long conversations when you run a business because they have to be up oh, early. Yes, I know. I mean, it's 1130 at night right now where I'm sitting here in, you know, Appalachian paradise, right? And, you know, <laughs> Dustin is in Japan it's right now. It's in the land of the rising sun. Yeah, where it's morning. Yeah. On Friday. But that's the great thing about this whole thing, isn't it? Is that, you know, you can have a worldwide audience. You can talk to people across the globe. It really is just an amazing thing. Um, what's in the future for you as far as uh, developing Excite Video Magazine? And, you know, you've got some. And if you haven't checked out this, the channel, um, the car stuff is awesome. But he also has like a video blog where he talks about like like just general living in Japan as, you know, as he does. And that's really, really interesting, too. Uh, so definitely check I, those out, too. I would like to too. start doing more of those type of videos because um, – Honestly, I'm, I'm not for sure. Like I'm, you know, making some life decisions with my wife about what will be best for us and the family. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if my Japanese situation will be permanent. I've lived here for, this is my seventh year living in Japan now. So, you know, I don't know if it's going to be permanent and I will take those experiences with me one way or the other, Yeah. but I'm really wanting to up our travel vlogs and our daily life vlogs. Uh, one, because I didn't think it would be that interesting when I started doing them. I just did them because it was filler, right? You know, to, to keep my algorithm going. Uh-huh. But a lot of my people that are car people, then I thought, like, oh, it's not a car video. What, what the heck is this? He's eating some rice, like you know, like <laughs> <laughs> you do eat a lot in those videos. I, I've noticed that. I, I do, in the travel videos, I always try to eat because I'll tell you why. Is one, I'm fat, and two, in Japan they have a lot of uh, limited time stuff. So if you if you were a food a foodie or food vlogger and you lived in Japan for let's say two or three years, there's a high chance that you could have brand new and interesting foods like every week on your show. Wow. Yeah. And and sometimes like you don't get alerted. I, it's happened to me a lot of times. Like my favorite thing, and I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to go in and get this flavor of rice ball. Uh huh. And it's gone. Yeah. And and I'll be asking them like, hey, is it just out of stock? Like, oh no, that it's over. <laughs> you know, it's like crap. Like you know, like if I would have known it was the last one that I was ever going to eat, yeah, I, I would have enjoyed. Like like that KFC right before the electric chair is probably the best tasting KFC you'll ever eat in your life. There you, you know? go. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But so so like yeah, like I, I do eat a lot because there's always interesting food, and people are food is a culture now. Like you yes, know, it's it not is. just something that you eat. Like people love food, and. I didn't think people would like those vlogs so much. And I do try to do some car spotting. Like if I see a cool car in a parking lot or something, I, I do always try to work cars in somewhere mm-hmm. because that's the theme of the channel. Right. But, you know, I, I went to a castle with my wife and I think the video was like a quarter of it was about the train system and riding the train. A quarter of it was the um, the castle uh, a lot of it was walking around. Maybe only like out of a 20-minute video, maybe a total of a minute and a half, two minutes was car content. Hmm. And it was towards the back. But I I wanted to put that in. So is your audience responding like your audience that comes in looking for car content? Are, are they responding well to the to the other stuff? 
yeah, like they're like, hey, I want to see more about Japan. And it's like just, you know, I, I didn't think because I'm not like a travel channel. You know, like that's not that's not my main thing. But I think the thing about how I said before, a lot of the mainstream media, they they promote this weird, funky, over the top caricature mm-hmm. of Japan. Yeah. And, and I, I really wanted to try to show the real Japan because it was kind of a shock when I came. I think what I'm getting from you is that your mission really in doing all this, just besides the fact that you really enjoy it, is that you want to put out the authentic representation of what this actually is. Uh, that's true. That's true. And, uh, you know, to the point that, you know, we talked before about people saying, hey, you made a mistake. I, I, I'm genuinely sorry. When, when, I get, when I give out misinformation, I'm, I'm genuinely sorry. Because that's not the type of media outlet. Mm-hmm. That's not the type of uh, person that I, I want to present myself as. So even the outlandish stuff that I say, I'm, I'm trying to keep it grounded in, in truth because I, I really like there's so much misinformation in today's culture. Yeah. And people come to your channel for that authenticity because it's refreshing, I would think. I, I hope so. Yeah. You know, so but tell everybody if they wanted to check out Excite Video Magazine, where would they go and how would they go about it? All right. On YouTube, just search for Excite Video Magazine and it's E X I T E. Right. Video Magazine. And if you search for all one word, then it will come up with my channel as the first one. Uh, I am on Instagram at excite video magazine all one word all one word uh, i'm on twitter excite underscore vm okay that's my twitter account and i am on instagram at facebook.com slash excite video magazine and you will probably have my name on the podcast so if you are really interested in cars you can feel free to send me a personal facebook request too because i do post a lot of my previews and a lot of behind the scenes stuff on my Facebook. Right. Because I, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of, of what I'm doing. Uh, there's no, re- there's no reason to be. In fact, I've told him that I said, you know, I'm the expert. <laughs> Put some stuff on Facebook. <laughs> my, my life is cars. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, that that's really who I am. Right. And it's uh, Dustin is D U S T I N. And then Mankin M A N K I N by the way. Um, you don't want to misspell that because I don't know any of the other people who have similar names, but who knows what they're into, right? They're, they're probably they're probably not as cool as me. <laughs> but we're definitely, I, you know, and I'm definitely going to have Dustin back on the show because, uh, you know, I don't know of very many people that I can just sit and just talk about uh, a subject that I really don't know a whole lot about for, uh, we're going on an hour and four minutes now. And, you know, he just brings so much passion to the table. And, you know, again, like I said, if you are not into cars, check out the channel anyway. Uh, It's exciting stuff. I mean, he brings a fresh perspective to it. Uh, The editing, man, ah, you know, I'm a big fan of your editing, Dustin. I am a huge (laughs) fan of that. It's a lot like, and and he'll tell you, or he's about to tell you that he was influenced with, um, by music videos, what he told me. I am. I always wanted to be a music video director, but I will say, uh, actually, out of a lot of the car channels, like I'm, and like I told you, I'm not an egotistical person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually really hard for me to self-promote, which might be one of the reasons that I haven't grown any faster. Could be. 
<laughs> but but my editing to music is good. Yes, it is. It's like, awesome. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna like. I'm not ashamed. Like if I know I do something good, I'm not gonna be ashamed of it. Oh, don't. Uh, yeah, especially. Yeah, you know. And I watch that stuff, and I, you know, I dabble a little bit in Premiere and After Effects and stuff too. Sometimes, so uh, not as much as. And you know, I watch it and I see where he's hitting the beat, and and you know some of the camera angles and all that. I'm like, ah, oh, I wish I could do that. <laughs> Honestly, well, I, you know, I mean, the stuff. My, right? I, I could use more J cuts and L cuts in my narration editing. I know that, but YouTube is not a place that respects filmic quality as much as they respect you getting a video out. Right. That's true. So straight cuts, is, you know, if, if it takes me 10 seconds, 15 seconds to do an L cut or a J cut, but I can do a straight cut in under two seconds. And then I make how many cuts in one video? Yeah, you do quite a bit. Sometimes I can see that for sure. So, and, and I'm, I'm, I like jump cuts. I don't care. Like I, I know, like if I had two cameras and two camera angles, I, I wouldn't do jump cuts, but I've always been a fan of jump cuts. Yeah. You know, and I, we're getting ready to wrap it up, but I want to just say just quickly and, and briefly, tell me a little bit about the grow, the GoPro situation, because you, uh, you kind of, you, the way you mount the GoPros to get that, to get that footage, tell me a little bit about how that, how that happened um you know like i've always way back when i was using mini dv cameras okay and i had two dvx 100 b's which you know that's like a a prosumer grade so not quite a shoulder mount camera but uh think about like if you've ever seen a skate video or something so it's a heavy camera okay but they had a lot of like refurbished little jvc's and panasonic single chip like the stuff that your mom shoots shaky footage of your sister's talent show with you could get those for about for about a hundred bucks and back in the day i bought three of them and i because gopro didn't exist yet and i bought some woods suction grips which if you want to use a full-size camera you definitely need to check out the woods power grips and stuff and i used to mount them on cars with with mini dv cameras and then when gopro came out i was like wow this is great and i just i don't even have like my my actual GoPro GoPro is actually probably about 10 years old. It's like a HD Hero 2. Wow. And I have a cheap Chinese uh, Ekin H9. cost me 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I have a Yi Light action camera. cost me 100 bucks. Uh, if you, if you want to get a camera but you don't have a lot of money and you want an action camera, definitely look into Yi Technologies. I've seen uh, I'm not sponsored say this yeah i would love to be sponsored by ye if for some reason you listen to this and you want to give me free cameras yeah. i will never say no I, and i will put your logo so big everywhere in my videos uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i i use that and i use wish and amazon a lot to find the mounts and the adapters and stuff because it's cheap right and and so i i do that but i will say the one place that i do not cheap out and you should not cheap out is on your suction cup mount. Oh, yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> there are other specialty companies that probably make better mounts, but I only use GoPro mounts. I did use a Chinese, like a cheap Chinese mount one time. And the first time I used it, my camera fell under a car and got rolled over by a tire. Ooh. So that was it. So I, I always use the $40 GoPro mounts. And I, I haven't had a failure yet. Knock on this wood table I'm sitting next to. Yeah. But... Uh, I mount them on the glass and the fenders, and I just try to mount them. I have three, like I said, and I'll either mount 
a variation on two cars or I'll mount all three on one car and try to get like different angles with, with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, if, if you're doing car videography, like the minimum is a GoPro. I really want a drone right now. <laughs> yeah. But, but, I, but I, I hardly have time to mount the GoPros. Like I'm a, I'm a single man operation mm -hmm. and it's a lot more time consuming than you think just to get the angles right and everything like that. So, um, but yeah, if you're doing some type of videography that's action oriented, get a GoPro and there are all kinds of channels. Like if you're a, if you're a mountain biker, there will be channels that have videos dedicated to how to get cool mountain bike footage with your GoPro. Makes sense. Good. Good. Love GoPros. Love GoPros. Awesome. Yeah. And if you wanted to see some of that awesome GoPro footage and all the other stuff that he does, man, honestly, check it out. And I'm not saying that just because he's a friend. If I did not know the guy, you know, and I just came across the stuff, I would say, yes, this, this is very cool. I think you will find it very cool as well is excite video magazine. Remember it is E X I T E. There's no C in that. Um, it's on uh, YouTube, but you can also find him Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I love some of the Instagram stuff he's doing. It's really good. Please check him out. Uh, I think you will be very, very pleased. We're going to have you back. Will you come back? Oh, you know I'll be back. I got so many, I got so many more things to say. We're gonna have a yeah, probably I mean, a series of these. We could probably go another hour or so, just you know, talking about the same stuff. And you know, I was about to say, you know, he better be back because he's the only guest I've had so far. And God knows, I may not get another one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely, I'll definitely come back. <laughs> it's like who's he caught on this week? Oh, Dustin Mankin again. Okay. Oh, I'll be your Jamie. Like Jamie, could you look that up? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm on it. I had to make I had to make a Jamie joke if I'm on a podcast, and I, I don't know if you've if you've watched. Uh, I don't know if you've watched him yet. Yeah, or not, I haven't but. done it yet, but I need to, and I've written it down, yeah. so I will. Okay. Okay. Nice. Awesome, Dustin Mankin of Excite Video Magazine. Thank you for joining me here on. Uh, God, that sounds so formal, doesn't it? Just thanks for being here, man. Thanks for helping me out on this. Uh, I, I sure appreciate it. He was my, he's my first, uh, guest. He will be here later on. Hey, I got an idea. You know, if you're listening on the anchor app, by the way, and you have some questions for Dustin, uh, if you're listening to this podcast on the anchor app, leave us a message and I will record or I will use that message that you record. And the next time he's on here, we'll have him answer your questions. How's that sound? Yeah, I would love to do a Q and a amazing. Okay. Awesome. All right. So I'm uh, going to go ahead and wrap it up and I'm terrible at wrapping things up. I usually, and believe me, if you know from back in the days when I was in college and he knows I used to be on the radio station and my voice tracks would be like, you know, four or five minutes long. He's <laughs> like, wrap it up, Tim, 15 seconds, buddy. You know, but in any case, so, you know, but uh, thanks a lot for joining me, Dustin. Thanks for, thanks for being a sport. And I hope, I hope that this works out because we are using Zencaster and so far it looks like it's really good. So mm. hopefully it'll work out. Yeah. Like I hope it works because it's a good way to get me on from, from overseas. So, and I was really looking forward to this podcast. So I'm, I'm really, really glad actually to be on your podcast. Cause I'm actually a fan. Thank you. So. Thank you. Thank you. I need all the fans I can possibly get. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of that, speaking of that. Yeah. I, I did leave a review guys. If you're, if you're listening to Tim on the iPhone podcast app, because I, I shared that link, uh, leave him a review. 
Yes, I, I, left you a review. I, lo- I love reviews. I love it when people talk about me. You can even call me a mumbling lumberjack if you want to. I'll take that. <laughs> Just give me five stars and I'll, I'll consider I'll I'll take that all day. <laughs> all right, man. Th- thanks for uh, thanks for joining me, Dustin. I sure appreciate it. No problem, Tim. Take it easy. You too, man. And there you have it. My interview, my very first podcast interview with Dustin Mankin of Excite Video Magazine. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, For me, it was great to catch up with one of my old friends from college. He had the nerve to step out of his comfort zone and follow his passion. But I guess more importantly, especially for this program, he's building a community and building a really loyal community that uh, he's very proud of and I'm very proud of him. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. Looking for him to come back in the show or to the show in the future. And we'll talk about some more stuff then. Uh, You've been listening to the Tim Atkins Does Digital Podcast. I'm Tim Atkins, your host. I am also the producer, the director, the mixer, the guy who sits in front of the microphone and then sits in front of his computer with Adobe Audition and mixes this thing. I do it all. I'm kind of a one-man show. You can find me on 18, that's right, 18 different podcast networks. You can find me such as places, such as iTunes, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, and several others. Now, videos of this podcast, if you are the type of person who watches videos of podcasts, I know it sounds weird, but a lot of people do it. They're available on Facebook and YouTube at ClickBeetle Digital Marketing. Uh, You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Tim Adkins Online, one word. Also, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can look me up there. Support this podcast if you want to as Anchor FM slash Tim Adkins slash support. Your monthly contribution will help me continue to make this podcast, and you can support it for as little as a dollar a month. Thanks for tuning in, and I will be back soon with more stuff from Tim Atkins Does Digital. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon.